you look at colleges and universities across the state, and in spite of what people say, uh, you see a lot of underrepresentation of certain groups that uh, we know that we need to help uh, succeed in our in our country. And uh, like I said, I don't believe that one person's success takes away from another student's. That you know, we really need to figure out. You know, ask the question: Why is it that you know certain groups like are not showing up to college campuses? Welcome to the Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. When Champlain College President Alex Hernandez is asked about the value of an education, he responds by telling the story of his family. He is the child of immigrant parents who both became school teachers in California. After Hernandez received a master's degree from Stanford University, he went into finance, but eventually left to become a high school math teacher in South Central Los Angeles. He went on to become a dean at the University of Virginia, and in 2022 was named president of Champlain College in Burlington. Hernandez assumes the helm of Champlain after a period of leadership turnover at the 145-year-old not-for-profit private college. He's the fourth president in four years. He's already made his mark, as Champlain has had a record-breaking year in fundraising. Education has become central in the culture wars nationally. In the aftermath of the U.S. Supreme Court ruling that ended race-based affirmative action this June, Hernandez must now craft a way for Champlain to champion diversity without running afoul of the law. I began by asking President Hernandez to talk about his personal backstory that ultimately brought him to Vermont. I grew up in Central California in a city called Stockton, which was this urban uh, city uh, in the middle of this large agricultural belt. And growing up in Stockton, I think I learned three things. One is uh, everything my family had was because of an education. So my father's Mexican-American. He grew up on the border. He was a farm worker and moved to Stockton around middle school. And, uh, you know, he was defied all odds, uh, ended up going to a four-year college and then stopped out. And in Stockton, there was a college that created a program, this was during the Lyndon B. Johnson era, to bring people back to school and help prepare them to be teachers. And someone reached out to him. And you know the difference in his journey in life was made by this uh, program that helped get him, put him in a career, helped get him a credential. Uh, similarly, my mother was born in the Philippines during World War II uh, in a war zone. And Uh, She also was able to get a career-focused education. She taught foreign languages uh, in a high school, and uh, that basically um, allowed our family to thrive and allowed me to kind of go on and continue my education. The second thing that I learned was service is really important. Uh, Every Sunday morning, I'd pad over to my parents' room, and my dad would stand in front of the mirror in his underwear and give a great speech uh, from U.S. history. And so some days it would be Martin Luther King, uh, other days it would be John F. Kennedy. And so from a very young age, uh, I was always thinking about service and you know what that meant. Uh, my father was a uh, a young person during the 60s, and he actually got to work with Cesar Chavez uh, during a lot of the time when we were trying to advance the uh, rights of farm workers. And he was president of the first Mexican-American Student Association in Stockton. And so he was kind of part of this civil rights history. And so I always remember growing up surrounded by that and just really thinking like what it meant to serve. And then the third thing was 
you know, while I love Stockton, it's where I grew up. Uh, we made a lot of the wrong lists. Uh, we've had you know, some of the highest per capita, per capita crime rates in the nation. Uh, we got hit worse by the foreclosure crisis 2008 than almost anywhere in the country. We went bankrupt at one point. And you know, at my high school, there just wasn't a lot of opportunity. We had 900 freshmen in my high school and we graduated 330 students. And I was trying to make sense of that because I felt like there was so much talent in my community. And so I'd often think about, you know, what does it mean to expand opportunity for, uh, for people? And so, you know, those three things of emphasis on education, how important it is in your journey, uh, the importance of service, uh, how do you expand opportunity for others? That really has motivated my entire uh, career. And that's why I think Champlain College speaks so deeply to me because uh, it's a college that's different by, by design to help students be ready uh, for the world that they go into. And uh, I'm just really excited to uh, be part of this institution. I, I can tell that telling your personal story is emotional for you, um, recounting that all these years later, why does it still kind of get you? Yeah. You know, I, uh, the way I try to approach life is to, uh, live my values and, you know, be able to serve and I wear my heart on my sleeve. And, uh, sometimes that means uh, getting emotional, but I just think this is a uh, emotional work. And, um, uh, it's funny this week I dropped my own two kids. I have two children and so I'm empty nesting this week. I dropped them off for college, uh, in that first week. And, uh, just like, I want them to succeed. I want every one of our students to succeed here at, at Champlain college. It's very, uh, very personal. I know that moment about dropping your kid <laughs> off at college. It wasn't that long ago for me. And it, it really, uh, of course your kid is full of emotion and wonder at the world that waits before them. But as a parent, um, you know, it pulls every heartstring you've got. That's right. That's right. So as a college president, what was it like for you to drop your kids off at the beginning of the journey that, you know, is your everyday work? I think it's amazing. Well, first of all, I feel so empathetic for our families who are coming in for moving day on Thursday. And I feel like I'm on this journey right along with them. Uh, I'm laughing because on uh, Thursday, I will give a talk to them about you know how they should think about supporting their students uh, after their drop off. And I'm just laughing because some of my own advice is hard to follow. You, you really want to do everything that you can for your students. And there's some days where some hours because I just drop them off where I'm sitting on my phone wanting to make sure they're able to have the independence, the independence they need to uh, you know, succeed and uh, develop the skills that they need on their own. And uh, and so uh, I'm trying to follow my own advice, but it's good to uh, be able to uh, experience that along with our families. And it just you know, makes me even more invested uh, in the journeys of our students. Well, um, you're, you've now built the suspense here. What is your advice to parents, uh, both to parents and to students, about the college experience? Uh, at Champlain College... We want our students to be ready for work. Uh, we want them to be ready for life and we want them to be ready to make a difference. And college is that next step of, of the journey to start building your independence, uh, to um, meet people different than yourself, to approach the world with curiosity. And these are all 
learned skills that are done in community. And uh, we need to be able to, I read a great op-ed uh, in the New York Times recently, and they said, life is a series of adventures uh, that start with a secure base. And so at Champlain, we're trying to create that secure base that promotes independence, that promotes these human skills that students are going to need to succeed and you know, let them use that as a launching point to have a series of adventures uh, in college. And uh, you know, there's lots of things uh, we can do to support that. And one of the most important things we can do is help our students uh, be able to uh, know the resources that are available to them and start figuring out how do I get those resources and how do I uh, ask for help and how do I you know, get the support that I need when I need it. And those are all learned skills that we try to support our students in. I know, I, and I do, I, I promise we'll move on to Champlain uh, specifically in a second, but one more thing in your story, you, um, when you finished college, you went into finance and venture yeah. capital, uh, and then you kind of hooked a hard pivot to go into education um, that's not the normal route of people in the world of finance what happened for you yeah i've probably had one of the most untraditional career paths around i knew i wanted to be in education when i graduated from stockton i went to college i knew that i wanted to serve and I was also very clear, I really knew nothing about the world that I wanted to send students into. Uh, most of my uh, people in my circle in Stockton were either hourly workers, they had a good government job. I don't think I hardly knew anyone in business uh, growing up. And so I just wanted to learn as much as I could about the world as fast as I could to help prepare uh, another generation of students to navigate the world like I was trying to navigate it. And a few years into it, I realized that if I didn't make this change into uh, education, I was never going to do it. And so I quit a, an amazing job at Disney doing venture capital, and I became a high school math teacher. And I taught in uh, South LA, if you've seen uh, you know, Boys in the Hood or Training Day, uh, movies from the 90s, those are kind of the neighborhoods where our schools were located. And uh, we had a belief that... Um, you know, students in South LA were just as capable, just as talented as anywhere in the country. And we were going to give them uh, education to help fulfill that those dreams that they had. And uh, we we built a school there. And uh, that was the start of my career. And I've been in education ever since. Now, I have to ask, um, immigrant parents, I have immigrant grandparents, um, must have kind of raised a serious eyebrow about walking away from a lucrative career in finance to let's just say a different kind of career trajectory in education. Um, how do you answer the people who say, you know, look, the best way you can contribute is make a lot of money, donate to charity, uh, you know, do your social change work that way. That is one thing one hears. So respond to those people. Maybe it's your parents who said that. I don't know. Sure. Well, this is why you're a good interviewer, because uh, while it seems nice that I went to education after having this career, what I told my parents, my parents were said, you're doing what? <laughs> they were really angry. They're like, what are what are you doing? You worked your whole life. You know, we sacrificed everything so you could have this you know, upwardly mobile, really high paying career. And you know, they were terrified. And I just knew that if you keep working on things that you're passionate about and having impact, um, the world's going to turn out fine. And what I think is exciting about growing up 
in the world we're in today is you can make a career in business. You can make a career working on social causes. You can go back and forth. Uh, and so part of why we talk about not just being ready for work at Champlain College, but also ready to make a difference because a lot of these skills are you know, transferable and students care a lot about making a difference uh, today. I think they do in every generation, but it's it's easier than ever, honestly, to make a career uh, you know, in, in all kinds of sectors, whether it's the private sector, whether it's government versus the social sector and go back and forth. And uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a great time to be doing that. So how do you introduce Champlain College to people who don't know about it, perhaps people from outside of this area? Um, you know, give your elevator pitch. Yeah. So Champlain College is different by design so students can be ready. And that starts uh, the first day you walk on campus. We turn our curriculum upside down so that you start a career-focused major the very first semester. Most times students don't start till their third or fourth year. And what that allows is it allows you to get a really meaningful internship at the end of that first year. And in some ways, there's really no magic what we do. When people say, wow, Champlain students really hit the ground running, they do that because they've been doing these internships. They've been having these experiences for the entire four years, not waiting until the senior year or not having those experiences at all, which is the experience of you know, many college, college students across the country. The second thing that we have is a uh, we've completely reimagined the general education requirement. So oftentimes your first two years, you're checking the box on different subjects. We have this core curriculum that stretches out over four years that's really trying to give you the human skills you need to thrive over a lifetime. Uh, technical skills can have a can give you a really fast start, but can have a short half-life as you know, the world changes in our core curriculum. You know, teaches you how to take other people's perspectives, how to communicate, uh, how to work through problems. You know, these are uh, skills that endure throughout a lifetime, and I'd argue are becoming even more important as you know technology is playing a more dominant role in our society. And then the third part of our program is we have a life skills program called Insight. Uh, I call it our adulting program. And we teach students to uh, think about personal finance. How do you manage your budget? Uh, we have a game of life. I don't know if you know the life board game. So we have a real game of life and uh, you get a uh, job and a salary and you have to go make your budget work. And it's a real exercise. I'm like, yes, yeah, so actually what apartments do cost in New York City or what apartments do cost in Burlington, Vermont? And uh, it gets real very, very quickly. Uh, we teach students uh, how to negotiate salaries uh, when they're looking for jobs. We teach them about wellness. That's a new track we're introducing uh, because that's an important skill as well. So this idea of career-focused major, the core curriculum that teaches human skills, adulting um, or life skills, adulting curriculum, that's you know, we think is one of the most complete educations in America. It's 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 unconventional, it's innovative, and we think it's transformative for many of our students. And you know, we our students come here because they want to build a better future for themselves. Our largest majors are uh, game, uh, and I mean video games. By that, we have six majors in the video game uh, area. 
Uh, we were the first four-year college in the country uh, to offer uh, gay majors uh, back in the late 2000s, and now it's one of the top programs in the country. Uh, uh, cybersecurity and digital forensics, computer science, filmmaking, business. Uh, we have about you know, just over 30 majors that span technology, design, business, and social innovation. And so our students, they're creators, they're, they like to make, they like to do, they're entrepreneurs, and you know, those are the people who come to our college. You've described this, or the college describes this as a radically pragmatic education. What do you mean by that term? Yeah. Uh, first of all, which is really experiential. So I talked to an alum in New York the other day. She graduated about 10 years ago, and she was a filmmaking major. And I said, why did you come to Champlain College? And she said, you're the only school that would put a camera in my hand the first day of classes. And I think that ethos is alive in every one of our majors. We want to get you doing, we want to make it applied. When we say radically pragmatic, like we want to get you doing things that you're going to experience uh, out in the real world. I spoke to another alum and she was reflecting, she was a game art major and she had a internship with Sony uh, Studios and they were launching a new video game, uh, Spider-Man. And this is going to be a massive opening. This is the type of project you don't put interns on. And they gave her a uh, what they a, a, a task that they thought would last her the summer. She finished it in two or three days, and then had the skills to basically pitch them on what she should be doing with the rest of her summer. And I said, "How did you, as a junior year intern, have the ability or the confidence to stand up in front of this executive in the middle of this high pressure launch and pitch them on your idea?" And she says, well, I've been doing it for three years because we've built games for the last three years in teams. And so she was able to acquire. So that ethos of applied learning of experiences is pervasive throughout our college and something that our students really value. Higher education is under extraordinary pressure, and we need look no further than Vermont. Um, the state college system is teetering um, and under-enrolled. We've had several liberal arts colleges uh, close, uh, Marlboro College, Bennington College. Um, talk about what it takes to survive as a college right now. And there are a lot of headwinds in higher education right now. And first and foremost, I think you have to have a really clear identity. Our colleges and our families want to know what you stand for and why this is the right institution for them. And there's no one right institution for every student, but you have to have a clear mission that students and families can understand. I think too, you have to be able to convey the value in the education. And you know, we know a few things. I think first, yeah, you know, we know uh, colleges have gotten more expensive over the last uh, over the last you know couple decades. Uh, we also know that about forty percent of college grads are in a job that don't require a bachelor's degree; they're underemployed. And the third thing that we know is, on average, a college degree is still worth it. Uh, college graduates make two point eight million dollars more over a lifetime than high school grads. And so, how do we think about this world of increasing costs, you know, is a college degree launching you into life that uh, you're, you're going to be able to thrive and live a meaningful life? Uh, and, you know, is this investment going to be worth it? 
you know, the way we think about this at Champlain College is, you know, 90% of our graduates are uh, employed within six months of graduation and not just in any job, nine out of 10 of those students are employed in a job that's related to their field of study. And so we think really deeply about how do you connect all the learning that they're doing with the benefit that they're going to get when they leave us. Uh, one thing that you'll notice at Champlain is that our career center is very integrated with the rest of the college. Our uh, career counselors, they're like Brazilian soccer players. They are known by their first name and everyone knows them. Faculty know them, students know them, and there's just a level of connectivity. So students are having kind of one experience where they're both enjoying the moment and, and exploring uh, you know, all these incredible ideas while they're at college and also thinking about their future uh, at the same time and, and preparing for uh, you know, launching their lives. You are the 10th president of Champlain College, but the fourth president in four years. Um, why has there been such churn in the leadership of Champlain? Yeah, I mean, there's been a period of you know, leadership turnover. Uh, I think you know, we've seen that here at Champlain, we've seen that across the country. And I think COVID was really difficult uh, for a lot of institutions. And uh, my hope is to uh, provide some stability and vision and, uh, you know, build momentum for this college. When I was first interviewing at Champlain, my wife, Michelle, and I, we just walked the streets of downtown Burlington. And we, we weren't on the Champlain campus. And my wife uh, starts asking people, very casually, what do you think about Champlain College? And there's just love for this college of people who aren't even alumni or affiliated with it. And so that really told me how special this college is within the context of Burlington, within the context of Vermont. And yeah, you know, we've learned a lot about the contributions that Champlain makes. Uh, we, you know, this is a college that's a small college and contributes you know, nearly half a billion dollars a year in economic impact to the state of Vermont. And uh, we know the work that we do uh, really matters and the work of education matters in Vermont. And I'm just, I'm just really excited to uh, feel privileged to be part of this institution. What portion of the student body uh, are from Vermont? Yeah, so about 20% of our students are from Vermont. And we really pride ourselves in being a net importer of talent into Vermont. And so what that means is 20% you know, of our students are from Vermont at the beginning, and then 40% of our graduating class stays in Vermont. And so a lot of our financial aid is directed to supporting Vermont students so they can succeed and thrive at Champlain and, and, and do the amazing things they're doing as uh, citizens of our state. And then also to attract uh, new uh, talent to the state who can uh, make lives here and, and start careers. And you know, when I talk to different employers, whether it's of nonprofits, whether it's um, uh, you know, for-profits, many of them will say, we never could have done what we've done without Champlain graduates. Uh, you know, if we needed to hire someone who was reliable, who was going to hit the ground running, uh, we'd look to see him went to Champlain. And uh, it's a special relationship that we have with the community and with the state. You know, interestingly, and it may surprise some listeners to hear this, your 20% or so Vermonters is the same as the University of Vermont. Um, people may be surprised to hear that the the state's flagship university is also has a, about the same, you know, proportions uh, of in-state, out-of-state. Um, so 
anyway, I, I thought that was interesting when I learned that about UBM. People think it's mostly in-state kids. It's not. Um, same as Champlain. What You've just finished your first year as college president. What do you know now that you didn't know when you first stepped foot on the Champlain campus as president? I've really immersed myself in the community. I've had hundreds of meetings. And one of the things that I learned that I just started alluding to is the relationship we have with Vermont. So as I mentioned, we did this economic impact study where we discovered that uh, our college contributes nearly half a billion dollars a year to the local economy. And a lot of that is driven by our alumni. So we have about 11 or 12,000 alumni in the state of Vermont. They've launched a thousand businesses. These are businesses who employ people, who help put food on the table, who help families uh, you know, raise their children. Uh, you know, it's it's really stunning and incredible. I think that impact. I've talked about you know us being a net importer of talent into the state, and so just you know a big. Uh, takeaway I had was the important contribution Champlain College takes. And you know, we've been trying to support uh, entrepreneurship here. Uh, our Stiller School of Business is named after Bob Stiller, who is the founder of Green Mountain Coffee and was an incredible, incredible entrepreneur. And it's just uh, illustrative of this kind of ethos within uh, our student body who they somehow seem to graduate and see how the world should be and go out and create it. The biggest newsmaker in higher education this year is the Supreme Court decision striking down race-based affirmative action in the uh, case of uh, students for fair admissions against University of North Carolina and Harvard. How is that affecting Champlain College? Yeah, it was a momentous decision. And I find that in times of uncertainty, you really have to lean on your values. And I think there's three values that are guiding us during this time. I think the first one is, I want Champlain College to be a place where no matter your background, uh, you know, no matter your race, your, your social class, you can come here and say, I belong here. And I'm seen and I can succeed here. And in order to do that, you need to be within a diverse community. So that's one. I think two, we know that education is more powerful when students are exposed to different perspectives and lived experiences. And uh, it takes uh, intentional effort to make that happen. And then I think three, and this is really an emerging thing, but we know that students to be ready they need to be skilled in putting together diverse teams and working across lines of difference, you know, both locally and globally. I was uh, talking to the CEO of one of our largest employers, and I said, you know, what are the skills that you need from students these days? And she said, global. I'm based out of Burlington, but my fastest growing markets are in China and in Europe. And these are skills that uh, employers are demanding. And so, you know, we kind of figure out like, what are those values that anchor against them? You know, there's nothing in the Supreme Court decision that prevents us from living these values. Now, while race can't be the sole basis of admission, uh, you can talk to students about how their lived experiences shaped their character and, you know, shaped how they uh, go through the world. So, you know, while I'm you know, we're, we're, we're going to obviously comply with the Supreme Court decision. You know, we're going to continue to live our values uh, around this. 
I also think we just need to move beyond this scarcity mindset where we think one person's success uh, takes away from another person. Like our society, our economy is better off when people are thriving across the board. And you know, really it's incumbent on us to build the institutions, build the capacity where more students can thrive. For people who don't understand perhaps what the big deal is here, what in your view has been important about affirmative action and race-based affirmative action? There's a saying that I'm fond of, uh, you're either being intentionally diverse or unintentionally exclusive. And you look at colleges and universities across the state, and in spite of what people say, uh, you see a lot of underrepresentation of certain groups that uh, we know that we need to help uh, succeed in our in our country. And uh, like I said, I don't believe that one person's success takes away from another student's that you know, we really need to figure out, you know, why, ask the question, why is it that um, you know, certain groups like are not showing up to college campuses and you know, what is it about the colleges that we're creating that make that true. So I've spent my entire career thinking about how do you increase access, uh, how do you increase uh, accessibility and you know that work is never done. It's an ideal that we need to continue to pursue uh, as a country, and you know it goes on for you know it goes on for generations. Is there an opportunity here to think beyond affirmative action as it has been constituted up until this point to what you know affirmative action 2.0 can and should look like? And there's talk about giving more emphasis to socioeconomic diversity and uh, and other dimensions that are also underrepresented at many schools can you envision another you know iteration of affirmative action that might even be better well i don't think colleges have honestly pursued an affirmative action policy as it's commonly understood uh i think colleges consider the entire um, the entire person, the entire application, what a student's gonna to contribute to the community and they're making judgments based on that. And so do they think about uh, you know, where you grew up, uh, whether you know, it's someone in Vermont thinking about would it be useful to have someone in California be part of this community? Uh, they think about uh, your family circumstances. Were you raised uh, by a single mother, or did you, or a single father, or you know, did you have um, a, a two-parent household? And what impact did you have you know, growing up? And so, colleges factor in a lot of different things. It's never just about one thing. So, I think there's a little bit of a straw man around affirmative action in higher education because that's really not the lived reality and the approach of most uh, colleges. Uh, you know, I think you know what do you talk about the civil rights story in America for uh, different populations who are trying to get uh, more opportunity. Um, you know, we just need to kind of continue breaking down the barriers and the obstacles for people to fully participate in our education institutions. And I think that's what uh, people's underlying concern concern is and, and how do we continue to support students regardless of your background. Talk about diversity at Champlain. Um, it, as I understand it, it's about three quarters white. Um, how do you move the needle on yeah. diversifying your own student body? Uh, that's something that's very top of mind for us. And um, 
and and again, it's it's ongoing work. It's not a something we do in a year or or in two years. So, uh, a couple things is you know, we want to be a community where every student is seen, and so uh, you know, our students from you know different backgrounds uh, they have. Uh, centers of support where they can kind of build community. And if your family didn't go to college and you have questions that other students might know the answer to that because they can call their parents, like there's someone you can reach out to, uh, to get answers to those questions. And we think that's part of what makes an education uh, accessible to, to more students. Uh, I, um, you know, when we go out, like we try to reach out to as many diverse communities uh, as we can. I uh, just, uh, saw a uh, parent who is um, of Mexican descent who uh, I met six months ago and you know we're kind of continuing to you know talk and uh, and, and engage in, uh, in in relationship and conversation and I just think you know it's just all these intentional steps of how you uh, engage the community uh, and, and there's also some systematic things like we're really thinking about how do we have a not just diverse student body but a diverse you know faculty and staff and you know Vermont is um, you know uh, uh, about 90% white, you know, we're about, uh, you know, probably 75, 80% uh, white. And uh, we're just, you know, thinking broadly about what does diversity look like in the context of the state and how do we offer that uh, to our students? Because everyone benefits from it. What would 18-year-old Alejandro Hernandez have thought of Champlain College when you were making this decision, as you say, located in one of the whitest states in the nation, what would you have thought? What would have signaled to you that this might be a place where you could find a home? I I mean, I experienced that when I went off to college. My college was much less diverse than my high school, which had no ethnic majority. And I learned two things that really shaped how I think about education today is one was uh, I wasn't prepared for college. And so having a college that prepared me would have been really, uh, and my college did a great job, but like that was like really important for me. And there was a moment my junior year, and I'd already been in college for two years. And one of my peers, uh, my friend Jake, who was a public servant in Missouri today, he had reviewed a paper that I had written and he looked at me and he said, you know, you can't write, right? And I was so grateful for him telling me this because no one had told me that. And it allowed me to really work hard to uh, figure out how do I need to communicate to really launch out in the world in a successful way. And you know, two years later, I was probably one of the better writers in my program, but it was that kind of feedback. It was that community that allowed me to thrive. So the idea that there's an institution like Champlain College that by design is there to help you develop both the human skills and the technical skills to launch out to the world. Uh, that would have been really, really appealing and attractive to me. The second thing was, uh, you know, I often hear my colleagues in higher education, they'll say something like, you know, we don't prepare you for your first job. It's your third or fourth job that matters. Uh, my first job was uh, on finance and Wall Street. And you know, my dad's first job was working in the fields. And the only thing that allowed us to make that leap was an education. And that first job was transformative 
for me. It was the hardest job that I actually, every job was easier after that, but it was that first job that, you know, changed my future, that changed uh, my children's future. And so I'm just really cognizant of the fact that that first step, it's not the only thing that's important, but it's really, really important for a lot of students. And so, you know, the, the, the Champlain College mission of being ready for work, being ready for life, and then being ready to make a difference, uh, it's really powerful. One of my favorite uh, alum in the area, they're all my favorite alums. So one of my favorite alums, she, uh, her name is Caitlin and she's the founder of Sangha Yoga Studios. And she started a donation-based nonprofit yoga studio to try to uh, share yoga practice with a community. And uh, I'm a member there and, you know, you pay what you can. And, 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 and I, I see that, uh, you know, happen when you know, people come in wondering if they can you know, come in and, and partake. And, uh, she's uh, done this incredible job. There's three yoga studios in Vermont, right, in Vermont right now. She's expanding New York with her fourth. She's this incredible entrepreneur that's not just you know providing a service, but you know becoming an anchor for communities and neighborhoods. And so, you know, being able to have an education that prepares you to live a meaningful life, to have that kind of impact. Uh, you know, I think Alejandro Hernandez at 18 years old have been really attracted to that because that's what I cared about then. And that's what I care about now. So one of the challenges of, uh, that a college faces is getting people through the front door, uh, recruiting admissions, yeah. et cetera. But the other is getting them to complete school. Um, Champlain, as I understand it, has a graduation rate of 59% is uh, what I saw. Feel free to uh, adjust that number one way or another. But um, what is keeping 40% of students from getting to the finish line and completing their education? Yeah, so uh, I think we're doing a little bit better than that. Uh, I think there's some... Uh, uh, you know, attrition, a lot of colleges saw it during COVID um, that, you know, impacted some of those numbers. But, you know, we're really invested right now in how do we help not just get students in the front door, but retain them uh, over the course of four years. And last year, we introduced uh, what I think was one of the most innovative programs in the country called CHAMP 101. And the idea was, let's create a 10-week experience uh, that helps students transition into college. And it uh, extends from, you know, what are the resources are available to you? How do you register for classes? How do you uh, connect with people? How do you, um, uh, uh, you know, make sure you're uh, you know, getting the classes you need to finish your major? Like all these different skills that you need to succeed in college. We created this 10-week program and each uh, um a uh, student has both a peer counselor and a faculty or staff member who kind of help guide them through this experience. And uh, we've seen our already the impact of that. Uh, we had a uh, uh, a goal for retention this year that you know, we that we met and we kind of measure that of if you started in the fall of the first year, are you coming back for your fall of your second year? And uh, so we're excited about that work. Um, and it's just one of kind of many things we're doing to uh, you know, try to have students thrive. I mean, another big effort is really collaboration between our student services team who manages a lot of the student life and our academic team. And if there's some sort of area of concern, you know, we meet weekly to really identify and figure out how do we support those students. So instead of having that first conversation when 
you know, students are at such a point where, you know, they're thinking, you know, is this the right place for me? Like we've engaged them early and often, and we've had, you know, a lot of progress with that collaboration as well last year. So, you know, I think, well, you know, post COVID, there's been a lot of challenges that students have experienced in terms of, uh, you know, the, the, their preparation for college. We've also learned a lot about how to support students. And, uh, you know, again, the work's never done, but it, we're really heartened by the progress we've made and the improvements we've been seeing. What's the single, the, this problem's not unique to Champlain and um, the issue of retention and just getting young people through four years of college. Um, is there a single biggest factor that jumps out at you for why students can't complete the college of their choice? Yeah, we track data and look at all the, you know, when a student leaves, like what's the reason that they left looking for patterns and, uh, I'd like to say there was, you know, one big overriding, uh, you know, cause, and it's not. It's a lot of little things, and so we try to back it all the way up and figure out what are the things we can do to help support students be successful. So, as an example, uh, can we help them make a connection with another student in, you know, their first week on campus? Can we help them form a relationship with a teacher? Uh, can we uh, talk to them about? Um, you know, narrate out loud some of the things that they might do that will help them be successful. All those little interventions can help actually increase uh, retention rates. So, you know, of course, we try to look and learn by, you know, what uh, uh, students are, um, you know, experiencing kind of at the end. But, you know, really what we find is, is really, really impactful is, you know, figuring out what we can do up front to really increase their chances that, you know, they're going to persist uh, throughout their four years of education. We're seeing... Um, extraordinary pressure on high schools around the country as the culture wars, you know, sort of push their way into local school decisions, um, decisions about what is being taught. We have, you know, the state of Florida uh, banning AP classes because they're teaching about uh, gender identity issues, uh, banning AP African-American history curriculum because uh it apparently makes white students feel uncomfortable in the eyes of Governor DeSantis. I'm just curious for you, you know, when students are coming out of uh, places where curriculum is censored, where history is sanitized, are they prepared for a Champlain College education? Are they adequately prepared? What I first got to college, I think it was literally my first day of class, the professor uh, read a passage from a book and said, do you agree or disagree with the author? And I was flabbergasted because the education that I had had up to that point never actually asked me to question the author. I just kind of assumed that if it was in print, <laughs> you'd kind of go along with it. And I don't think my experience is unusual. I think students have a bunch of different experiences that uh, either help or hinder them. Uh, you know, I had classmates sitting next to me who had been interrogating authors for the last four years of their high school. And so the question is, how do you create an educational institution that encourages curiosity, that you know, offers ideas you know, different than your own, that really pushes you uh, to think? And 
Uh, that's becoming more and more difficult in this era. Uh, it's not just about the K-12 schools, but you know, we live in a society that uh, seems to be grouping itself uh, with people who, who have similar ideas. And I think one of the great challenges and one of the great opportunities is figure out how do you create those spaces where people who uh, you know, are coming from different perspectives can really hear each other and approach each other with curiosity and have respect even when they disagree. And you know, we're living in a moment where uh, sometimes other emotions are prevailing over those the those kind of principles and values that uh, I'm I'm putting out there. But I think that's the um, that's the opportunity for higher education right now and the incredible service that we can do for for our society. You know, we hear this phrase parental rights which um, appears to be very much rights for some parents and not others, you know, for parents to argue about curriculum and such things. First of all, I'm curious, has any of this um, intruded into Champlain's orbit? Are, are you seeing these kind of culture war issues and come into, um, you know, to your attention? I mean, of course, our students and our faculty, you know, talk about things that are happening in society. I mean, that's part of um, what it means to be a education community is to talk about, you know, the ideas. And again, I think the key is to create a space where instead of digging in, you start with curiosity, you start by asking questions. Um, instead of judging, you hear, you listen. And you know that's really the uh, again I, I think the great service we can do for our students uh, I think it's a great service we can do for our community, um, and yeah that's how we try to approach these things. If you as an educator as a college president could you know appear at one of these embattled school board meetings that we see on the news with parents shouting at school at teachers about what they should and shouldn't teach. What would you tell them? What words of wisdom would you share about why it's important uh, to be exposed to all these ideas? Because there seems to be the perception now that there are ideas that are just too dangerous to be taught, you know, that the full history of the United States from slavery to, you know, uh, gay rights, that including all these things uh, is is something that young people can't handle. So how would you, what would you tell them? I always just go back to my values. I mean, we had a long conversation about the Supreme Court ruling and, you know, we can argue about the headlines that are happening in cable news, or we can talk about aspirationally, what is it that we hope for our society? What are the values that we can agree on? And uh, we may have very different ideas about how to get there, but really there are a lot of shared values in this country that bind us together. And uh, I mean, for me, that's always the starting point. And uh, then it's about how do you facilitate a conversation in order to uh, allow that exploration to happen in a productive way, not just people shouting down each other. Uh, I do believe while, you know, this is a time where, uh, you know, we've seen candidly societal norms breaking down in a way where people are expressing you know, a lot of backlash and uh, a lot of resistance. I do think that our better angels uh, will prevail over time. And I don't mean that in a 
uh, naive way. Uh, but I do think that, uh, you know, I, I, regardless of what we see in the headlines or on television, you know, when I talk to people, they want these spaces, they're exhausted by it. Uh, they want to you know, figure out how to move forward. And you know, those are the moments we kind of have to seize both as leaders uh, and as community members to you know, help us advance. It's the start of a school year uh, at every grade level, including college. Uh, you mentioned that you just dropped your kids off at college for their freshman year. And you have twins, right? Yes. So... Um, there comes that moment where you it, it comes down to one little pearl of wisdom that you get to pass on as they're desperately trying to leave. Um, what was the pearl of wisdom that you passed on to your kids? That's a, that's a great question. I find that as a parent of the 17 year old, if I really think something important, I don't lead with that. And I don't really <laughs> really say it out loud. I try to let them come to it themselves. Uh, I think you know, the one thing that uh, I share with my students is my, my, my own children was just keep showing up. And, you know, there's going to be days where you feel like you did all the right things and you get rewarded for that. And they're going to have some really down days. And uh, that's just natural. That's part of life. That's part of this journey to independence. And the most important thing you can do is just keep showing up and uh, and keep at it because eventually, you know, all that effort is gonna is gonna pay off. And um, you know, we've uh, had that conversation in various ways just over the first three days for for both of them. And uh, so far, so good. Well, Alex Hernandez, um, thanks so much for joining us on the Vermont Conversation. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Alex Hernandez is the president of Champlain College. That does it for this week's Vermont Conversation. I'm David Goodman. Thanks so much for listening.